Heavenly Father, we, we thank You, Lord, that, uh, that Your Word and, and Your truth is uh, spread abroad by, uh, by insufficient uh, and, and earthen vessels such as Ourself. We, we thank You, Lord, that Your power is behind Your, your Word. And we pray, Father, that we would walk through this life in that confidence, knowing that the preaching of the cross is, is your power unto salvation to everyone that believes and that, uh, and that there are some people who will hear your word rightly divided and love it and, uh, and cling to it. And when we thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that as someone came and, and brought it to us, that we might be faithful to, to bring it to a to a lost and dying world, and to a very confused church. And we pray tonight, Father, as we go through this passage of Scripture, that that You would teach us and bring us through it and give us everything that that You would have for us to, to have from it. In our Savior's name, amen. All right, in Romans chapter 15, we got down to verse 16 last time. When Paul says, uh, verse 16 again, Romans 15:16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now this we said uh, last time that what Paul is doing here is he is... He's already told you in verse 8 that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, and, what, and, and then he brings that around to himself and says that I'm the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, and he makes that distinction for these Romans. And what he's doing in this passage, and as we go down forward, is he's kind of uh, uh, formally, now here at the end of the letter, introducing himself. He's to these folks. He hasn't been to Rome. Uh, he didn't found this church. In fact, we'll see as we go through this passage that that's why he hasn't seen them yet. Uh, but of course, they know who he is. They've heard of him. But he he's giving them something of a personal testimony here. He's telling them about his ministry. He's telling them about the distinctive nature of who he is. That's why he says back in. Um, Verse 14, he says, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written unto you the more boldly, in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace of God that is given to me, to the grace that's given to me of God. So he's saying you guys can, you know, you can do a fine job ministering to yourself. And they had... Uh, pastors and, and teachers, and they were a growing church. Paul says in the beginning of the, the epistle that their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. So what Paul is doing here in this passage is he's letting them know that he's not just another, uh, he's not just another teacher. If, if he was, he would have no reason to be writing to them from you know all those miles away, having never seen them before or anything else. He's he's telling them here that he, they have a special relationship with him, even though they haven't come face to face. 
so he tells them about his ministry and who God has has made him to be. And he says that he is the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. In verse 17, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He's commending himself to these brethren. He tells the Corinthians, he says, I don't need anyone to commend me to you. You're, uh, you're my epistle. You know me. He went to Corinth and he started that church and he built it you know, from the ground up. He says, if I'm not an apostle to anyone else, I'm an apostle to you. Uh, but with the Romans, it wasn't that way. He hadn't, he hadn't been here. He didn't uh, start this church. It was probably started by people who had heard him and, and gone back uh, back to Rome and, and, and founded it and so forth, founded the churches there. But so he is commending himself to these brethren. He says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He says, I got something I can boast about through Jesus Christ and those things that, that pertain to God. God has been working through me. And that's what Paul did. He, he uh, in in most of his epistles and where he would go he would tell people about all the glorious things that God had been doing through him among the Gentiles and uh he says, For I will not dare, in verse 18, to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. He's not going to, uh, he's not going to exaggerate his ministry. He told them back in chapter 11, I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. And that's what he's doing here. Uh, but he's not going to exaggerate it. He says, I'm not going to dare to speak of... Uh, of any of the things that Christ hath not wrought by me, I'm not going to take credit for something that I didn't do through uh, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. So that so Paul is is he's he's stressing the unique uh, character of his ministry here, and he's saying throughout this thing, I've got something I can uh, glory in, and I'm the G, the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, and I won't dare speak of anything that Christ hath not wrought by me he's uh, what Paul is saying there is he's the one who's laying the foundation he's not going to go somewhere and build on another man's foundation what he's doing is unique and original and he received that from Christ if you look in get uh, get second Corinthians Second Corinthians and um, chapter ten. There it is. Second Corinthians chapter ten. In the Corinthian church, the Corinthians he tells, he says, you have ten thousand instructors in Christ, but you have not many fathers. And the, the Corinthians, what was happening at Corinth and at a lot of these churches, Galatia and a lot of these places, is Paul would go in, he would start the church, go, go to the marketplace, go to the synagogue, go to wherever he could go and just start preaching the gospel to unsaved people. And people would listen 
And they would hear, they would get saved, and he would gather them together. Usually he hung around as long as he could until they threw him out. Or, or plotted, started plotting to kill him. Then he says, okay, that's, it's time to go. And he would gather up the believers that he, had, uh, that he had fathered, that he had begotten, the words that he uses, and, and start, start, start a church. Get them uh, assembling together on a regular basis. Get them built up. He would stay there as long as he could, sometimes two, three years, sometimes not so long. And get them built up, get them rooted and grounded in the faith. And, you know, by the way, it didn't take Paul 20 years to get somebody rooted and grounded and, and built up in the faith. Uh, he got in there. He got that church solidified and grounded and established and ordained elders in it. And so the church was up and running and functioning, and then he would move on and do the same thing somewhere else. So he was going around and planting these churches. Paul says, I've planted another, another came along and watered. But what would happen is then after he did that, he had, on the one hand, he had people hounding him and following him from town to town, persecuting him and trying to just be a thorn in his side, be grief to him. But he also had people following uh, another step behind to where they weren't following him, but they were coming up into his churches. Paul would uh, would start a church, and then these other teachers would flood in. So once the work was done, once the hard, uh, the hard part was, was done, and Paul founded the thing and he got it started, and, and they would go in and, and, uh, and, and start bad-mouthing Paul and teaching their own doctrines and a lot of what Paul writes to these churches is you know kind of swirls around that whole dynamic that followed him throughout his uh, throughout his life and ministry so he says i'm not going to do that i'm not going to go and and build on another man's foundation i'm not going to go and do what he says here in second corinthian the corinthian church was the was the the biggest uh magnet of all it seems for these uh, ministers of, of Satan and so forth he says in uh, verse 10 2 Corinthians 10.10 10, for his letters that is Paul's letters say they are weighty and powerful but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible so they're uh, you know that's these these teachers who come in here and they go yeah he's a big shot in, in with a pen and paper but uh, you ever see the guy? Let such a one think this that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent such will we be also indeed when we are present for we dare not now that's the same thing he said in Romans 15 there I dare I will not dare to speak of something that Christ hath not wrought by me, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. See, Paul says, I wouldn't dare to, to present myself as just another teacher or even just another apostle. Paul says, I, again, I magnify my office. 
and I will not be counted among uh, these these ten thousand uh, teachers that you have. He says you got ten thousand teachers, but you got one father, and keep that in mind. It's it, it's Paul who founded uh, these churches, and it, it was with the ministry that Christ gave to him that he told the Romans about back in chapter fifteen. So. Uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make myself one of them, and I'm not gonna start comparing myself to them, the, the way they do, comparing each other with each other. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. Now he's talking about how far they have gone in the ministry, in preaching the gospel, just like Romans. From Jerusalem around about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now that's about... 14,000 miles if you, uh, if you look at it on a map. And when you consider the fact that they didn't have automobiles, these guys are walking and, uh, and, and, and riding in, on, in ships or walking on land or whatever. Paul covered an enormous uh, territory. He was just, just moving, moving, moving. And uh, so he says here, I'm not going to boast about something that I haven't done. I'm not going to, like these guys are doing, I'm not going to take credit for another man's work. According to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. And Corinth was the, was the furthest reaches uh, of Paul's ministry up until he went to Rome in, in chains. So that that uh, that circle of Paul's ministry stretched all the way out uh, to Corinth, and uh, and 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 Philippi and those places in that in that area there. So he says that's what God has given us to. That's the territory that God has has given us the ability to cover, and it reaches all the way to you. And he's telling, he's rebuking these Corinthians. He's saying you're treating me. Like you don't know who I am. Like I never came to you. Like somebody else started your church. And Paul says, don't forget who I am. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. I'm not writing to you as some stranger. You know what, uh, who I am and where you come from. For you are come, we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but not, we're not boasting ourselves of other men's labors. Somebody else did the work and I'm going to take credit. But having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. So that as you start growing, you're going to give Paul, you're going to minister to him money, is what he's talking about, so that he can go further. To preach the gospel in regions beyond you. And not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's why Paul said in Romans 15, I have therefore whereof I may glory in Christ Jesus. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. 
So what Paul is doing on the one hand here is he's describing his own philosophy of, of ministry. Paul didn't, uh, didn't go into, uh, in, into other, let somebody else start a church and then, and then go in there and, and start teaching. He, what Paul was wanting to do was he was always uh, breaking new ground because he had a new message and a, and a new ministry and his apostleship and his ministry was unique. But at the same time, he's not only telling us what his uh, uh, strategy in ministry is, but he's rebuking all of these thousands of others who are doing exactly what he's saying, boasting in another man's work and a line of things made ready to their hand. They're going to let Paul, they're going to, they're going to hang back, they're going to let Paul found these churches, and then after he leaves, they're going to come in, and they're going to set themselves over uh, the, the work that he began. So that's, the, so that's the kind of thing he's dealing with, and that's what he's telling these guys back in Romans chapter 15. And what he is doing... Is kind of giving them the uh, his background and his uh, uh, his ministry and his strategy. He's also telling them here why he they haven't seen him yet. He told what you what you've got going on here at the end of the book of Romans. The book of Romans is kind of bookend bookended with uh, with similar thoughts in the beginning and at the end. And Paul started out this epistle saying, For many years now I've longed to come and see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, that, that, uh, that I might be comforted together by the mutual faith, both of you and me, and so forth. And then he goes into the doctrine that is the book of Romans, and he, now he's coming out here, and he's, and he's come full circle now. Back to where he started. He, he kind of gets personal with these folks again. And he says, um, he says in verse 21, 22, jump ahead for a second, we'll back up. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Now what he's saying there is he's explaining to them why he hasn't been there yet. For this cause I have been much hindered. For what cause? Because I'm not out to build on another man's foundation. You guys are up and running. I've got all of this territory here that the Lord has given to me, has put into my hand to, to, to establish these churches, and that's what I've been doing for lo these many years. And that was his first priority. As, as, uh, as deeply as he felt personally, as deeply as he longed to go and to visit those uh, those those famed Roman saints, he says, "Your faith is is known throughout all the world," and he he wanted to go and see them. He he put his own desires aside 
for the for the ministry that he had received of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had some things to do first. So now he says, but now having no more place in these parts. That is, that's going back to what he said in verse 19. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. There's no place else for me to go. Every, I've gone everywhere uh, here within those boundaries I just told you and planted churches wherever a church could be planted, wherever there was fertile ground to plant one. And, uh, and those ministries are up and they're running and people are getting saved and the gospel is being spread uh, to every creature and so forth. He says, so now having no more place in these parts. You know, that would be something, wouldn't it? For me to be able to say, you know what? I have preached the gospel everywhere in my, in my area of influence so that I, can't, I would have to preach it for the second time in any given area if I was to go out today and do it. That would be a great thing to be able to say, wouldn't it? That's what Paul is saying here. I have no more place in these parts. I've preached the gospel and built and founded churches in every possible place that, uh, that, that the Lord gave me to do. So now, he starts thinking about going to visit Rome. Now if we'll uh, back up here, back to uh, verse 18 again. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So Paul says here, you know, we, we, uh, we talk about, when we talk about signs and wonders, we, we tend to talk about them in the context of Israel. The sign gifts are for Israel, right? Well, you want to be careful... <laughs> When you say that, because the statement is true enough, but you, you have to understand that there's a qualifier to that because someone who knows the Scripture is going to say, oh yeah, the signs and wonders are for Israel, huh? Well, what about Romans 15, where Paul says, I have made the Gentiles obedient in word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. What about that, smart guy? <laughs> So we understand that uh, that the gifts. Paul says mighty signs and wonders. Come back over to uh, to Acts chapter nineteen and uh, take a look there. The signs and wonders. Paul ta- Paul says talks about the signs of an apostle. The signs of an apostle have been have been wrought by me, and it wasn't just for Israel. The, the signs were there because Israel's program was still uh, alive and 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 fading, but they were being used and being used effectively among the Gentiles, separate from uh, separate from Israel altogether. Paul says, I've made, uh, God has through me made the Gentiles obedient in word and deed by mighty signs and wonders. God was confirming the word and Paul's apostleship by, uh, by miracles among the Gentiles, not just Israel. And the Gentiles were responding. Acts chapter 19. Now, Acts 19, you're, you're coming up to where Paul writes this epistle. He writes it in the first few verses of chapter 20 from Corinth. So you're really, 
not long before he's writing what we're reading in, in Romans. And it says, if you just, uh, we'll just get the verse in chapter 19, verse uh, 9, well, get verse 8. We won't just get the verse. Let's get some context. Verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them. He's in Ephesus here, by the way. Um, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So that's what I was just telling you about. He'd stay there as long as he could until they threw him out, or until it just got too unfriendly. Then he said, okay, we got a good group here, let's go somewhere else. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So, so the word is spreading. Now, by the way, that all those who dwell in Asia, you, f you find that, uh, that phrase somewhere else, don't you? Paul tells Timothy much later that all those that dwell in Asia have turned away from me. So you've got a situation here where the thing is going and growing, and all those that are in Asia are hearing the Word, and it's not too long before that apostasy comes in and, uh, and, and the departure from Paul uh, is is complete. He says all those all of these people here turned away from him in pretty short order. And verse eleven is where we're going. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So God was doing not just miracles, but special miracles. Unique miracles by the hand of Paul. So among these Gentiles. So that's what you're coming off of this when Paul writes what he writes in, uh, in Romans. You're also, as long as we're here, so we don't have to uh, come back again, in um, chapter 20, if you look there just real quick, Acts chapter 20, and after the uproar was ceased, you know, everything that Paul did was after the uproar was ceased. Paul, after or before. Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts, he had given them much exhortation, and he came into Greece and there abode three months. Now it's here in those three months that he writes the book of Romans that we're reading. And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. And we'll see that in, in Romans chapter 15. As you go through Paul's epistles, you can, uh, you can get a pretty good idea of where he was in the book of Acts, if they're Acts period epistles, where he was when he wrote them, because he gives the, the, the books, the letters contain information that you can match with what Luke is writing here in the book of Acts, and you can say, okay, this is what was going on. It was after this, but before this in the epistle. So you come here to the book of Acts, and you can narrow it down, and you say, oh, here's where he was when he wrote First Thessalonians, when he wrote uh, Corinthians, when he wrote Romans, when he wrote the others, and so forth. So he talks about Macedonia here. 
And what he's doing in Macedonia is he's, uh, he's continuing to take up the collection that he's been taking uh, of the Gentile churches to bring back with him to Jerusalem back in Romans chapter 15. So Romans uh, 15, verse 20 again. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Now we won't go, but you know 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right? I'm, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. So Paul's not the one who builds on the foundation. Paul lays the foundation. And then uh, he leaves uh, faithful saints behind to build on that, on that foundation. So it wasn't his place to do that. Now, hold your hand here, because that's something, uh, again, that is unique about Paul. Uh, look at John chapter 4. Gospel of John chapter 4. That, uh, that statement there was not true of the twelve. And this is another thing to, uh, to keep in your mind and when you're, uh, just when you're thinking about it and when you're meditating on these things or when you're talking to someone about the distinctive nature of, of, of Paul's ministry. This is one of those distinctions. The, the, the twelve apostles didn't start something new. The twelve apostles continued what had what had long before begun. What had begun uh, through the Old Testament and the promises given to Abraham, but especially uh, had 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 been kicked into to the next level by John the Baptist years before they went out by themselves and and started their ministry. So they weren't breaking new ground the way Paul is talking about here. And that's a difference between them. John chapter 4, the Lord is in uh, Samaria talking to the woman by the well. And um, he says, uh, verse 31, In the meanwhile... His disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. For he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered in to their labors." Now that's exactly what we just read Paul telling the Corinthians that he would not do. That he would dare not do. To enter into another man's labors and to build upon another man's foundation. 
That is what these guys here were sent to do. Paul says, I wouldn't dare do what the twelve were sent by Christ to do. To, to, to enter into another man's labors, another man's line of work made ready to my hand. So that's a distinction between, uh, between the twelve and the Apostle Paul. And, and again, at the root of that is that Paul was doing something new. He was, he was building, uh, uh, by, the, by the preaching that was committed to him, that one new man, a new creature. The twelve were continuing the program that they were brought into. They were nothing new began in Acts chapter two, and nothing new began with uh, uh, with the twelve apostles. That is not true of the apostle Paul. Paul, there they've got a commission given them by Christ. Paul says, "You see that commission over there that they had? I wouldn't dare do that." Just like he says, I wasn't sent to to baptize, and they were. Um, Reading on in in Romans 15, verse 21. I won't build on another man's foundation. Verse 20, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. Now, what he's quoting there, he's quoting Isaiah 52. And if you would, come back there, because, you know, if, if we can, we like to go back and look. Whenever you see a quote, an Old Testament quote in the New Testament, Isaiah 52, you want to get back there, and you want to read it, and you want to see the context, because I will say to you that I, I couldn't, expound every one of them to you but I know by seeing enough of it that every time the scripture quotes scripture it's a, it's a marker it's a pointer it's telling you to go back to the verse and, and, and get that verse, get the way it's said, get the differences in the way that they're, that they're, it's, it was originally written and the way it's quoted, get the context. Why is Paul quoting uh, this, uh, this passage of Scripture, or why does the New Testament quote any of the passages that it quotes? It does that to hearken you back to, to these Scriptures. Isaiah chapter 52 the, uh, the, the verse that he quotes is the last one, and let me read it to you out of Romans again. And, and you can read it. I'll tell you what. Read along in, uh, in verse 15. Isaiah 52, verse 15. The first part he doesn't quote, So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. Now this is where Paul picks it up. You're in Isaiah. I'm going to read your Romans. In Romans he says... Uh, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. Now that's how he quotes it in Romans. The way Isaiah wrote it was, that which had not been told them, they shall see. And that which they had not heard, they shall consider. Now, the difference between the way that that verse is written by Isaiah and the way that Paul quotes it is the difference between the message and the people. 
The, Isaiah talks about the message having not been heard. And they doesn't uh, specify. They is, uh, if, you, if you backtrack on through there, you can find out who, who they is. But they are not important. Who they is is not important. In that verse, the emphasis is on the message hasn't been heard. And the message hasn't been seen. So Paul, he picks that up. Now he picks it up in the context out of the Old Testament, talking about a message that hadn't been heard. Now listen, don't don't get the idea that the mystery is being is being prophesied here. That's not my point. My point is that that the verse applies to the ministry that of the Apostle Paul that he's talking about, that he's trying to explain, and don't miss the first part that he doesn't quote because it's talking about many nations. And this is another Old Testament verse and he's been quoting a whole string of Old Testament verses in Romans 15 that talk about the blessings of the Gentiles. So he's got this one in his mind but he doesn't give it when he gives the list. He saves it until several verses later and he gives it to us there in uh, uh, later on in the chapter but what what Paul's doing is he's talking about he brings us back to a verse that's talking about a message that hasn't been heard but will be hasn't been seen but will be but when he quotes the verse he talks about people who haven't heard but will who haven't seen but will so it's not just uh it, it, it's the message. Paul was given a message that had never been heard before. But he was given it to a people that had never been preached to before. And that's what he's bringing out in Romans chapter 15. That he has a relationship with these Roman Gentiles that uh, even though they've never met, he is the minister of Jesus Christ to them. And... He's got a message that uh, that the world has never heard, and he's got a world uh, to preach to that have uh, that have never heard anything from God. Now, back there in in Romans chapter fifteen, we'll close up. We've got a little bit of a late start. Romans chapter fifteen. So it, it, it's as though he's attracted to that verse, if I can say it that way. And you, and you notice this about Paul as you study his Old Testament quotes. He seems to... You, you can almost see in his mind how he thinks about the Old Testament Scriptures. And he is constantly, always, especially in Isaiah, pulling application uh, that out of those Old Testament passages that relates to him and to his ministry. The Gentiles will will see the light, and and I'm going to be the light of God to the Gentiles, and so forth, and 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 they that have not heard are going to hear, and 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 all of those things, and the Gentiles are going to be blessed, and so forth. He he uses all those scriptures to support what he's doing, and to relate it. So so he says, I'm 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 trying to preach to a people who have never heard it before quotes Isaiah and says for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you 
and those the rest of those several verses going down through there we've seen. Uh, verse 24, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. See, now Paul, he's, got, he's talking here about going to Rome, but he's, got his, he's already got his sights past Rome. He's, he's on his way to Spain in his mind. He's already, uh, he wants to see these Roman believers, but it's a stopover for him. Uh, as greatly as he desires, you notice he says, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and be brought on my way thitherward by you. He says, I'm going to come by and see you, and I trust that you're going to be able to send me off. Further, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. You see that? I can't stay long. I'm, not, I'm, I'm coming. But I can't stay long. I can't hang around. I can't. Uh, I I can't settle in there. I've got. There's there's more territory to uh, uh, to get to. So Paul's mind is already beyond Rome, and uh, and into Spain. Now, as far as we know, he never made it to Spain. He he went to Rome in chains. Now, there's you know church history that'll tell you that he that he got that far, but you know. What, whatever that's worth, the uh, you know the Bible is what we go by as far as the record goes. He uh, he never made it that far. If he never made it to Spain, if he had made it to Spain, mm-hmm. it would have been marvelous because the Catholics wouldn't have gone. Yeah, Earth. well, you could say that about Rome too, <laughs> I, I suppose. But you're but yeah, but you're right. Of course, it would have been. Uh, but he he, we you know what we just read there when he says. Uh, according to the measure that God has given us, that's where he went. That's as far as he went, as far as God gave him to go. And uh, yeah, so but but yeah, it, it would have been great had he had he gone that far and further. Um, so he's so so he's uh, now now he's getting ready back in Acts 19 and 20 where we just were. The Holy Ghost has already started telling him by different prophets all in every city he says that bonds and afflictions abide me are waiting for me in Jerusalem and he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem here that's what he's writing these folks so he says I'm going to go to Jerusalem if you read on uh, verse 25 but now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints for it pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia and that's what we just read in Acts to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. So, he's on his way into Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit's been telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. Now, not as uh, God commanding him not to, but warning him that if he goes to Jerusalem, there's going to be serious trouble there waiting for him. But he's got this collection from the saints. And he tells them back there in Acts, he says, I'm not ready to be bound only, but to die at Jerusalem if need be. Why are you telling me not to, not to go there just because bonds and afflictions abide me? Uh, you know, he, that he wasn't deterred. To, uh, he, w- he was going to fulfill his ministry, whether it meant life or death. So he's, so he's, telling, he's writing this epistle to the Romans, and we'll stop there for tonight. And he knows... 
Now, he's just come out of all of that ruckus and everything that we read about in, in, uh, in Acts 19 and 20 there. He's got that, you know, fresh in his mind as he's writing this whole epistle that we've been studying. And the whole time, he also knows that he's on his way into, uh, into some serious trouble and, and pain and grief and bonds and possibly death. Now that's, it's, it's in that turmoil that this epistle of Romans that, that we've been studying, it's, it's out of that spirit that God is able to, to craft this, uh, this mountain of, uh, of magnificence that is the book of Romans. Um, and that's, you know, that's an encouragement to me that, uh, that it is in times of, of hardship and of trouble and of, as Paul says, fightings without and fears within. It's in that environment, it's in that spiritual environment that God is able to do His best work in us. Paul says, it's when I'm weak, that's when the power of Christ can rest upon me. And he says, because of that, I rejoice in infirmities. So Paul, you know, he didn't shrink from the trouble. He, uh, he rejoiced in it. Because he knew that as his outward man perished, his inward man was renewed. And it's in those dark times that the power of God shows itself best in us and out of us.